The Red Steeple Podcast is a production of Nolensville First United Methodist Church in Nolensville, Tennessee. Our vision is to be a neighborhood church where people experience a life-changing relationship with Jesus in a welcoming church family. With this podcast, we want to explore subjects of faith to help you think critically and hopefully to see how God is working in our world and in your life. The ideas we express belong to the speakers. We aren't here to tell you how to think. We just want to give you some things to think critically about in your faith. We're continuing to look at what it means to be the church. We're focusing on the actions of the early churches in Acts 2.42, which if you remember, that's when Jesus left the apostles and then Peter had the Holy Spirit come upon him and the others. And it said after that, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Today, let's think about fellowship. I have a great conversation to share with you with our new pastor at Nolensville First, Pastor Jeremy Squires. Enjoy. We are back with the Red Steeple podcast. And if you listened to our last episode, we talked about the Methodist practice of itineration or changing of pastors. And so today it's my privilege to sit with the new pastor at Nolensville First United Methodist, Jeremy Squires, and just to get to know him. So I wanted to start by saying welcome, Pastor Jeremy. Thank you. Thanks for having me today. Absolutely. We started this podcast, as you know, a couple of years ago. And so our goal on here is to give people Um, things to think about with their faith life. Hopefully, as they listen to the journeys of other people, they will think about what, who God is to them and what it means for their daily life. So can we just start by finding out how did you become a follower of Jesus? Sure. I actually didn't grow up in the church. I came into the church when I was in college at MTSU at the Wesley Foundation. It was very much a part of my spiritual journey. Um, I actually uh, didn't just go there. Uh, I had some friends from high school. I went to high school in Murfreesboro where I was growing up, Riverdale. And uh, so those friends were going to go play volleyball with some people who were going to the Wesley Foundation. And eventually they would go over to the building and I would go in the building and of course had no Christian background hardly at all. And we'll go over there. And those people were in the, in the play, The Diary of Anne Frank. So I would go and watch play practice. And afterwards, we'd go back. And there's a pool table in the Wesley Foundation and a TV room and different things where the students were running around and all that kind of thing. And I started to get involved in just being around what was going on. And I would go there and they would practice for uh, the Wesley Singers on Wednesday nights. And I would go there and play pool, watch TV. And just do those particular things. And then um, after a while, that's my cat coming. My, I, my cat will be a part of the podcast. So that is lucky <laughs> meowing in the back. And I can't keep him out because he'll make more noise. Um, be fine. So, so we, uh, I would go and watch the play practice and everything and, and, and do that on Wednesday nights. And eventually the campus minister, Bill Campbell, uh, came back and invited me to go on a uh, choir tour with them and to come and sing. And I had uh, been in choir in fifth and sixth grade at campus school in Murfreesboro. Oh, that's where my kids went. Oh, yeah. Yep. So when we moved to Murfreesboro, that's where my dad put me in. And I had no idea what it was, you know, that it had the kids of all the 
faculty from MTSU and that sort of stuff. I don't know how we got in there, but so it was in campus school. And uh, but in seventh grade, Central Middle School, um, you had to try out. And I was a very shy kid and introverted and I wasn't going to try out for anything. So I just stopped singing. Um, there was an opportunity for me. And uh, so when this came along, I'm like, yeah, I know how to sing. Um, and uh, when he invited me to do that, so I go and learn the songs with them. And it was like, um, uh, interestingly enough, we did Shine, Jesus Shine two weeks ago. And that's one of the songs that we learned. And lots of Michael W. Smith stuff, Great is Our Lord, things like that. That dates me into my, my age group then and everything. And uh, so I would learn the songs. And then we went on choir tour. And choir tour was on an old bus, an old uh, school bus named Edgar. And no air conditioning. It wasn't a, uh, you know, it wasn't a, a shiny deal. It wasn't a, a cross-country bus. It was a put the windows up and they still leak when the rain came down and you were putting up paper towels into it to keep it dry. And there's no heat on it. So, you know, the heater's like on the way back. So we would travel around to three or four states and we would go and we would uh, do this do the choir tour. Same time, we also went out uh, most weeks on Sunday morning to other churches and told our story. And um, that, that developed over time too. So on choir tour, we were going uh, around to uh, South Carolina, North Carolina, Georgia, that kind of route. And I hardly knew anybody on this group. So here I am an introvert, um, sitting with a guy named Brian, who was a senior, he was really nice. And um, just learning about it. And there was one night when we all got together afterwards and had like a, you know, a kind of a town meeting kind of thing. And I had no idea what's been going on the whole year, but you know how college students are. There's all kinds of drama. There's relationships. There's all stuff that just starts pouring out of these people. And I'm like going, what am I doing sitting here? This, I don't know what's even going on. And I'm like, can I leave now? And I'm, you know, I'm four states away. Uh, on a bus with a bunch of people that I don't even know who call themselves Christians. And, uh, and now they're acting like this. And so they started crying and yelling at each other and having these moments. And um, I, I could still remember that, that what I thought was going to happen was, was more about tearing each other apart. It was more about being mad and let's all go to bed and forget it. You know, hate your guts. So let's go to bed. Instead, what I saw with them was is that after they got done with that part of it, there was another part I'd never seen before in people. And that was the part of reconciliation. And they sat there and they hugged each other and they prayed for each other and they worked through their, their problems with each other and they forgave. And uh, I, I can remember sitting there and thinking to myself, I want whatever they have. I've never seen that before in my life. And that led me back to, to come back to Wesley and to become involved in everything. Um, I, I became, you know, deeply involved in the singers from that point forward. I became involved in uh, the council that we had. I became involved in all these different areas I'd never experienced before, a community, you know, a church, because Wesley is a church. And I went to, uh, we had services Sunday nights because we went out Sunday morning. I learned to give my testimony about how I'd have been impacted um, along that journey. Uh, I spent seven years there. It took me seven years to get my undergraduate degree. My parents were bankrupt my first year in college. <laughs> After that, I was basically on my own. And um, they paid for the first year and pulled it off. And then after that, my dad said, yeah, I, I can't do anything else. And so I got a lot of loans, which are very uh, helpful then. 
not very helpful the next 20 or 30 years of your life. And uh, I would buy food at the beginning of the semester, like all this food from Sam's, you go up, buy everything. And by the time I get to the end of the semester, I'd have hot sauce and crackers to eat because that's all we had left in the cabinet. And, uh, but I had a part-time job, but no part-time, I didn't want the part-time job to ever get in the way of what I was doing. Wesley was my number one thing. And uh, so everything worked around it. My class schedule, everything worked around it, which is why it took me longer too, because I could only, I only took four classes at a time. So all of that coming together then, um, I was in several plays. I was in drama in high school. And because uh, drama is a place where you can forget yourself, take on other characters and and be able to let that side of yourself show at college at Wesley. Then um, I was in place too, usually musicals because I can sing. And uh, I was the lead in Smoke on the Mountain, which was a great, a great play uh, set in the 1920s and had a lot of uh, the blood medley and different songs like that. And my famous come into the filling station song. That's the hit. I had no idea when I was doing that play that I was the lead until I saw all the lines I had to learn. And then I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I was in Oklahoma. Um, and so uh, different different plays, things like that. But the one play along the journey um, was Godspell. And in Godspell, I was on lights. Because we had, you know, we did tech stuff too. We built sets, you know, that was all part of the whole experience of building a set together. and. <laughs> Um, all of those kind of things. And so I was on lights for that one. I was on the follow spot. And on the follow spot, then, you know, I, I was focused on Jesus, of course, as he's going around. And in Godspell, there's a there's a song that uh, he's singing from the cross as he's dying. And he says, oh, God, I'm bleeding. Oh, God, I'm bleeding. And then it goes to dying. And as he was singing that, oh, God, I'm dying. Oh, God, I'm dying. I was turning the spotlight this to show his death. And as I was doing that, I think that's the moment for me when it all connected. I'd watched God's spell for five days, plus all the practices. I'd, I'd, I'd seen the whole piece of it. You know, I'd seen every story that was told in God's spell. I'd seen all the parts of basically his life, you know, told out in this musical. I think that's the moment when I when I understood that that he had given his life for me, that he had that he had sacrificed and that it all made sense to me. And so that's really the moment in which I would say that. Um, so I think it was 1989. So I was 19. But that was the moment that it really hit me um, in that way. So it wasn't too soon after that. I think I was 20. Uh, it's hard to remember anymore in the same way, but that I was baptized at Wesley. And, uh, you know, on a Sunday night service, my friends there and Bill Campbell, the campus minister, have been so influential in my life and, and was a part of that. And it would continue on until I um, would graduate until 1995. And uh, so it was a huge part of my life. And it actually led later on, just to kind of aside, led on to me being the chair of the Board of Higher Education for the conference because I was so dedicated to what Wesley Foundations were about. And they usually get a different rap because usually what happens is that they're seen as a parachurch organization. The Wesley Foundations are not a parachurch organization. They are not a subset of any local church around them like St. Mark's, which is what our, our connection was. They are a church. 
And I was living proof of that, that bringing someone in from the total, you know, outside into, you know, into the fellowship, into the community, which is what they're supposed to do, as well as invite students who are already having an Methodist connection or a Christian connection to the table. But so I was one of those prodigies that, you know, this is what it's designed to do in reality. So at the end of my time there, we went to something called exploration. Exploration is the, the path in which you go to a, a conference somewhere and you learn more about what it means to go into the ministry. And the, the funny part was, is that in, in my experience, all my friends were going in the ministry. And there's one thing about me that, that you learn pretty quickly is I don't just do everything because someone else does it. Like I'm not doing Wordle unless I'm on my deathbed. Everybody else is doing Wordle. I see Wordle on Facebook all the time. I don't want to do Wordle. I will not do Wordle. And I'll be just enough you know, of an antagonist not to do Wordle because everybody else is doing Wordle. So all my friends are going to seminary. So it's like, well, I'm not going to seminary. Well, they're all doing it. They're thinking, they're thinking about, I'm just doing this because they're all doing it. And I don't want to be a follow, I don't want to be a follower like that. So, so I pushed it off. But I went to exploration and and went and we sat with people who are ministers. We we looked at different stuff. We looked at seminaries. They, you know, bishops came in and talked to us, that kind of stuff. And um, and it happened to be that my group leader was the campus minister from Oklahoma State University. And he talked about his campus ministry experience and being campus ministry. And, and I was like, you know, really all over that of wanting to be a campus minister. And at the end of, a, of exploration, what they had was a, a big board in the back of this conference of this, you know, of this place. And there's thousands of us there kind of thing. And they gave you a star. And they said, if you believe like God is calling you to go into the ministry, um, then take your star and go and place it up on, you know, on this board up in the front. And, and my best friend who was from Wesley, David Lay, he's a pastor, and I were at the table and, and we had gone together. And so I got up and I went and, and placed my star after I heard these talks of a, a bishop who no idea who it was anymore, but I expect it was somebody pretty important back then. And um, got up and placed my star. And as I was placing my star, that bishop who had talked about their whole entire career, and he was like, you know, 80 or 90. He was up, I felt a hand on one shoulder, which is the bishop. I don't know why the bishop chose me. And on the other hand was the campus minister from Oklahoma State University, which I have no idea who his name even is anymore. And I felt this just this confirmation in my spirit that this was the path that I was supposed to be on. And so I would start um, going to seminary uh, in 1996, in the fall of 1996 uh, at Emory in the Candler School of Theology. And in case you didn't know it, do you know who Aza G. Candler is? No. He created Coke. So it's all Coke machines on Emory's campus. Right. <laughs> and the Candler School of Theology is named after him, uh, which has been around a long time. Well, let me ask you this. What did you get your undergraduate degree in? Uh, psychology. Okay. Psychology with minors in sociology and criminal justice. I had always planned to be in FBI, uh, forensic analysis, you know, take a CSI show, look at it pop off any any of the shows on TV like FBI. Yeah, that was that was going to be me. I wanted to be a police officer my whole life, except for one thing. Everything I saw told me police officers were, um, it was a hard life. 
and there's a lot of stuff you have to deal with. And I, I was never, I wanted to help people, but I was never sure I could deal with the other parts. A uh, little interesting side note, I was a security guard at Hickory Hollow Mall back when there was Hickory Hollow Mall. And um, I actually had, first I had the night shift. So I was third shift. You walk around the time clock and these little keys and you go and hit these stations. They know you did your job and you put it in the, and you put it inside this little round box and you go back to your office and go to sleep. <laughs> and that's what I did. Cause I was, I was 18. I was scared to death. I, I, I wasn't going to college yet. I wasn't sure I could go to college. Um, I didn't take my ACT until the end of my senior year. Once again, I watched a, I think it was a Fresh Prince of Bel-Air episode. I'm not sure what it was, but I watched a Harvard college professor berate students. And I said, I'm not doing that. No one's going to berate me. I'm not going to go to school to be talked down to. And I really held on to that. So I, I took my ACT at the last minute, fell asleep during one portion of it, made enough to get into MTSU and called it a day and uh, went from there. So my psychology degree, I was, I was heading either between counseling emphasis or uh, IO psychology. So industrial what's organizational. It, what's interesting as I listen to your story is um, the fact that you didn't grow up in a church. I'm always curious about what about church would attract people who didn't grow up in that environment. My, I grew up in, in a church. And so that's probably why I I'm just curious about it. And, and so what I heard from your story was it was the countercultural act of forgiving or reconciling versus trying to have a power play when you feel like you've been wronged. Yeah. But definitely the fact is that they didn't act the way that the rest of the world acted, that they acted differently. I think that that's, um, much what we're talking about with Paul and Corinth in, in a sense. That's why I think that that scripture also resonates a lot with me because of the fact that everybody thinks the Christians had it all figured out during Paul's time. But Paul was fighting a group that was completely against one another and trying to figure out, you know, how to set them around principles and around beliefs that were outside of their, their common everyday situation. And, you know, for me over the years, the community always comes first. For me, the, the, I'll sacrifice for the community. I'll do whatever it takes. You know, I try to keep balance in that. Sometimes I do better jobs than other times, but the community always comes first. And when folks rise up to be the individual who comes first, I don't deal with that very well. Unless it's a situation where we have to, it's a pastoral care situation. It's someone who needs help. And that's totally different than the person who comes in and, and has the power play and says, well, you know what? I've been in this church 150 years. And so because of that, I get to call the shots. I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't get to call the shots any more than anybody else because we're a community and we, and we are equally, you know, working through things, diversity and unity. Once again, what spiritual practices do you have that you, um, not, not prepping for sermons or, or things like that, but what do you do to just keep connected to the voice of the Holy spirit? Sure. I pray eight hours a day. I read my Bible 12 hours a day. And then the other time I, I sleep, but when I'm sleeping, I'm thinking about God the entire time. So it's like, you know, I'm a super Christian. Yeah. You know, most pastors have a hard time actually with their personal faith because, you know, our professional part takes so much of our time. Um, I've found over the last couple of years, especially that my devotional life has found me. I haven't found it. And what I mean by that is that devotions come to my inbox things that, that, that pop up and all of a sudden they make total sense. Like if I, you know, 
and I realized when I don't read them that I realized, oh, that was perfect that day. Like, I mean, it's like there are different pathways that are coming into me all the time. If I just respond to them, something something's right there. Also, Uversion became a really big piece of of, uh, of doing life, and Uversion added the story stories to it. So you actually not only had just the plans you can read, but also the daily scripture. But you could also watch a video by another uh, ministry leader who just spends two minutes. And I kept trying to really push those pieces, you know, because it is great. I mean, it was so so often, and you you listen to this, you read the story, you listen to it, you see it. I'm a visual learner. You have uh, questions after it. There's a prayer that's attached to it. Um, there's a devotion. So it's all one package. And it's all right there. And uh, often we would do that for staff meetings and just be able to listen to what they had to say. It was really some really good stuff. So 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 a lot of times it was it's a matter of what pathway is going to speak to me today in that various way. I've, I've always had a hard time praying. Once again, I think because I didn't grow up doing those things, there's no spiritual practices for me to rely on. There's no flannel board from Sunday school. There's no, you know, image of God growing up. There's none of that. So, you know, I'm not a cradle Christian, so you don't have any of those pieces. So a lot of it is, and because of that, I think sometimes you fall back into the other places easier because you don't really have those practices or, or maybe, um, you know, reading devotional books sometimes is is during the seasonal stuff is really good for me. So devotion during Advent and, and Christmas and Epiphany and 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 uh, Lent and Easter and uh, Pentecost. So those kind of things sometimes do that. Um, but a lot of times it may come through as the faith uh, faith gateway devotion of the day or Max Licato. I get all of his stuff, and he's doing daily text now. So it just kind of depends on what it is along those lines. If I'll if I'll just do it if I'll turn to it, because the first thing is, if I don't turn to it, first thing, I'll never get back to it. You don't start your day that way, you don't get back to it. So it's either, oh, I'm too busy today. I've got you know, 400 emails I got to read or whatever. And all of a sudden, you know, you've moved on and you've missed that moment. You don't right. usually get back to it. So, you know, so sometimes the professional life does help because it does open you up to the pathways of, okay, it's staff meeting today. I really need to focus in on where I feel like God is, is leading us through our loving time today. So that opens me up to something that I see, which then opens them up to something that they get to hear from me because I saw it. That makes sense? Yeah. So professionally, it does help that we have, a, have some of that because that does, I do learn the most professionally. Every sermon that I write, I write to myself as well as to the congregation. And so, you know, I learn a lot through that, but I also experience a lot uh, through that. So it kind of works both ways. Uh, it's never just phoning it in. I never phone anything in. Um, I may not be good sometimes, or maybe not be on my, my best game or think I'm on my best game. Everybody else thinks, well, that was the worst one you had or, um, or a sermon that, you know, you think is the greatest. And they're like, yeah, it was okay. So it's really hard to, you know, or a class that I'm teaching the same kind of way, but yeah, I just, it just kind of, I think that the devotion for me has come to me as opposed to me seeking it out because I'm not even sure which direction to go a lot of times, but it seems like God's got it lined up to the things that I'm dealing with come through the other ways. That makes sense. Well, I appreciate you being open as a new pastor at Nolensville first. I know sometimes you're still, I know that you're still learning everybody. So thank you for sharing your personal story. We'll wrap it up with more of a light, fun question. What do you like to do in your free time? I don't have any free time, so that's probably <laughs> not a good question. 
Um, yeah, so so if, if I have free time in, in doing things, I mean, uh, first of all, I mean, sometimes church is free time. Sometimes it's the, I'm not in charge of this event, but I get to go and experience it. So, um, you know, it, some of that, there's a lot of those kind of th moments. You know, I like to watch Star Trek and Star Wars. I like to watch movies and big movies all the way back to the, probably the 40s. When they get in the 30s, they get kind of squirrely. But in the 40s above, you know, I've watched lots and lots of old movies, old Westerns. Um, you know, I th think movies and music are probably the way that I have learned over my entire life to share my emotions and tell stories. And uh, so it's a lot of that, uh, a different kind of thing um, with that. So there's a lot of TV, a lot of watching movies involved, necessarily TV. Um, I do watch you know, some TV too, but um my favorite shows are all CSI, FBI, um, you know, the new, uh, the new Law and Order is coming back, the original. Yeah. Shows, like, I'm excited about that. I mean, just, you know, procedural shows, things like that. Those are probably the biggest things that we watch in uh, NCIS. So those are kind of the, the things along those lines. So, you know, having fun, you know, really involved sometimes with Susan, it's going eat food. We like going to eat food in different places and posting on Facebook. Facebook should be for food, family, and fun, not for uh, divisive things. So we like to post things that are just engaging and funny and things like that. So we like to go travel. We can travel and uh, go experience the greatest, the biggest ball of twine wherever we go. And we will. We'll go see the biggest ball of twine wherever we go and uh, wherever it is. I've seen the largest cherry pie in Michigan. <laughs> so we go and do those kind of things. So, yeah. So travel, movies, listening to music, oh, making Legos. I like Legos, too. Legos are an accomplishment. So. Nobody can see this, but they're the small ones sometimes. Sometimes they're larger. I'm, I'm too cheap to spend over 30 bucks on a Lego. So um, they're just fun, something to do and, and uh, release my brain to kind of focus different directions. So that's yeah, kind of things. What's your favorite place you've traveled? Yellowstone. Oh, yeah. The summer we went to Yellowstone see. and we've been Yellowstone 10 years ago or uh, longer than that, maybe. Yellowstone, Grand Tetons, and we went to Glacier. And probably Glacier was actually the, there's this hotel we went to and a different story for another day, but with this hotel, basically like being in a Swiss chalet at the bottom of mountains with a oh, blue wow. lake, never experienced anything like it. Yeah, it's, it's so beautiful out West. It is, so we like we like going out West, it, it's it's good. We'll go to the, every, every summer we go to the National Dairy, uh, the National Holstein Convention. And uh, so Susan goes as a part of that, has been for many, many years. So now we're going to Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I've never been there. So I've been in South Dakota, but not Sioux Falls. Well, good. Well, it was great to talk with you today. I appreciate your time. And until we speak again. All right. Thank you for listening to the Red Steeple podcast and my conversation with our newly appointed pastor, Jeremy Squires. I hope you continue to think about what it means to be in fellowship with each other and with other people in your church family. And if you're in Nolensville, come say hi to Pastor Jeremy. Many thanks to my right-hand gal, Amanda Jones, for her amazing editing skills. So we're releasing this in the heat of the summer. So until next time, stay cool. <laughs>